0: Hey there, I'm Claire, I'm the founder of the Heroic Mama Revolution, a space for moms in active recovery who desire to find their purpose and give their gifts in greatest service to the world. If you want to feel inspired, love your life, and leave a legacy you can be proud of, this is the place for you. Here we celebrate and honor the journey, the evolution, and the actualization of our heroic potential. From rock bottom to radiant exemplars of the best within ourselves, it's time for a revolution. Let's dive right in. Hey Heroic Mamas, welcome back. Today I want to talk about something really uncomfortable. To be quite frank, I'm embarrassed as well. Ashamed, even. Today was a rough day. And it was rough in a way that I haven't experienced in a long time. And today, for the first time in three years, I bought a bottle of wine and I stood in my kitchen and I stared at that bottle for a really long time. Today, I want to take this time to talk with you about how and why I'm here. This conversation with you versus at the bottom of a bottle, losing myself. Relapse. Such a dirty and shame filled world. word. As much as there's stigma and shame around addiction, it seems that there's an even deeper level, an even more pointed barb when it comes to relapse. For the individual, for me, It feels that when we get to that place and the drink or the drug is sitting there in front of us that we are teetering on a precipice. Fiction is a silent disease that's killing hundreds and thousands of people every single day. That moment of relapse, when the pain becomes too great and we succumb to the allure of just momentary, is, in my opinion, the pure definition of hell, that moment on the precipice. Earlier this week, I led a sober moms group, and three new moms joined each of them had recently relapsed. It is National Veterans Month and the Phoenix, the sober active nonprofit community I lead classes with, has been doing a lot of support for veterans and the veterans in addiction recovery. And it's brought it home to me how often there are other people standing in their kitchens, in their bathrooms, in their homes, just as I stood in mine. And they too, like I was, were in their own personal hell. And that they feel all alone. So as much as I'm ashamed and I would much prefer the comfort of hiding away these parts of myself that aren't shiny and something that it feels worthy of being proud of if these words can be a beacon of light to at least or even just one person a light that shines on them on that precipice as they stand there and helps them remember that there are other choices. Then my uncomfortability of sharing is worth it. That if more of us could could find the love ourselves the compassion and the grace and the strength to reach out in the midst of our pain we would come to know that we aren't alone that there are others too who can truly empathize with the hell that we are living in a hell created by our own minds that lives in our bodies They can keep us trapped, cycling, surviving. I've shared here on the podcast in a few episodes of having lost my baby. That was six weeks ago now. I truly do feel fine and others not so much today was one of those days where from the moment I woke up I was just I found myself plagued by this thought that just kept coming up. This is not how things are supposed to be. This is not how my body is supposed to feel. I'm alone this weekend as our boys are with their other parents and my partner is off weekend, and I was so excited to have the time to myself, to have the space to just do what I wanted to do, that I'd forgotten that so often being alone, Having endless time to myself is a recipe for the darkness that still exists within me to come out, to rise to the surface. how things are supposed to be. I am not supposed to not be pregnant. I am not supposed to ever be alone right now. That my baby is supposed to be growing inside of me. That and this thought that this is not how it's supposed to be is what I call sticky thought, it's one that just seems to follow me everywhere, no matter how much meditation and journaling and breath work that I did or do, it just, in moments of lulls, if I turned off a podcast, if I stopped working, that in that lull, that thought came strong. sticky as well in the way that the specifics of it change. It started off with thinking that this is not how it's supposed to be and centering around losing my baby and not being pregnant. But soon all those old shame stories came out to reinforce that thought as well. This is not how it's supposed to be in any way. That the sticky thought is one that confirms that my life is not worthy, that it is not valuable because it is not the way that it was supposed to be the way that my parents intended for my life to go it is not the way that society would say is the right way to live and it seems as if one thought of shame collects another collects another collects another I tried to do all of the things that I would normally do to keep myself regulated to go out and work in the garden and move my body and be out in nature to be disconnected from technology to hydrate to be in the dirt that thought was so sticky today that I just couldn't shake it. And as I'm out in the garden and it's a beautiful day and the fall leaves are just gorgeous and the sun was shining and I'm up to my knees and my elbows in dirt and I've got a good sweat going on and I've hydrated my body well. I walk past with yet another wheelbarrow full of dirt, the centerpiece of our garden, the memorial tree where my baby's ashes are buried. And that thought just slams me. This is not how I'm supposed to be spending time with my baby. This is not how it's supposed to be. And it's like that thought was the final final blow that crumpled me And all of those waves of shame and recrimination and self-hatred just it just swallowed me whole again you're worthless failure. That darkness that swallows you whole and seems to just consume every bit of you. That even though the sun is shining outside and the leaves are beautiful and Everything is all right. Outside. Nothing is all right inside. It's almost locked down on the autopilot. who was i to think differently who was i to try to be different who who did i think that i was really kidding shame 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 it's easy to say that it's just a few off days led me to today, the decision to buy that bottle of wine, to be standing there in my kitchen staring at it. But the truth is that this is a lifetime, and part of the way that we shame ourselves that keeps us from being healthy and to be able to sustain our sobriety is that we tell ourselves that we should just be able to not think that way, to not drink, to not drug or our addiction of choice one day just because, or even to say, I was sober for six months, I was sober for nine months. Two weeks ago, I celebrated my three-year sober anniversary. And today in my kitchen, I shamed myself because I... was standing on that precipice again. But when we come to understand that it's not... When we think of it in terms of an entire lifetime of these negative thoughts and this prison that we've built for ourselves and the enforcements and the strength of those thoughts it doesn't mean that we're not capable of overcoming them of breaking down those old patterns and of writing a new story but it does mean it's okay to stumble. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to still love ourselves, and perhaps not even just still, but to love ourselves more in that moment when we're on that precipice. morning in a workshop, I had a conversation with a woman I deeply admire about miscarriage. Her daughter has also recently lost her baby. She told me that she had such Wonder and admiration and love for her daughter as she watched her Grow Through this hardship And as she spoke about her daughter, it reminded me of a book that I read many years ago At the beginning of my sobriety journey it's a book called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Taleb. I apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly. Anti-fragility is this principle that there is something beyond resiliency, that even the most resilient material, most resilient individuals, most resilient mindsets have a breaking point. But it is not the ultimate goal that many of us are encouraged to be be stronger, be more resilient, tough it out, see it through. You've
1: got this.
0: But he challenges us to think of something greater than resiliency. Not just stronger than fragile, but anti-fragile. In the book, he shares this metaphor to help us understand, and it's, you can imagine that you're going to ship something across the world, and you go to the post office, and you have it all boxed up and you just need to pick out a label, one of those sticker labels that goes across the side of it. And you have three choices. The first says, fragile. Handle me with care. I break easily. The second sticker you could choose says, resilient. I'm pretty tough. Can kick me around and drop me a few times, but I'll eventually break. The third sticker, that sticker says, anti-fragile, please kick me. For the harder you kick me, the stronger I get. If you believe in a higher power or the law of attraction or manifestation, it is that everything happens for a reason. And for whatever reason, I was so fortunate to have that conversation this morning. To remember that book that I hadn't thought about in ages. To discuss how being anti-fragile would look in our lives. That conversation didn't stop me from ending up back on that precipice. But what it was was that beacon of light. But as I stood there and stared at that bottle, my voice and her voice came back to there in my kitchen marveling really at the fact that I can be so kind and encouraging and loving with my words towards others and to mean it from the depth of my soul and yet To my own self, I whip myself viciously. My words are weapons that tear me down, keep me trapped within the prison that I have constructed. My words reinforcing those barricades against myself, to rip myself to shreds again and again and again. This morning was a powerful reminder about the importance of community and of storytelling. And that healing happens through... from this morning became the light that I needed to see that there was another path, there was another choice, a choice that was loving, that was kind, that was love to wear that says she needed a hero so that's what she became I held on to that and took a deep breath I picked up that bottle and I poured it out I threw it away I took the trash out I bundled myself up and took myself for a walk in the woods. And at first, the inclination was there to just keep walking, just disappear, stay gone, stay gone forever. Nobody needs to know. Who could love me if they knew? what a fuck up I am. Who would want to be my friend? Who would accept me, knowing that I almost drank again? And this is the second part of the healing. The first is to not pick up. nation is strong to curl up in the fetal position and hide ourselves in our bed or lose ourselves in the woods or wherever we may choose to isolate ourselves from the world. But what I've learned is that healing doesn't happen in isolation true healing happens in community. And sometimes that means being really uncomfortable. It means humbling ourselves. It means sitting with our shame. stories, and the stories that others may have about us as well. We're here on this podcast together because we're moms. have for my child and the the legacy that I want to be able to leave for him is one where he is always aware and has a deep knowing that of his own magic life happens, what happens in his life or where those take him or the decisions that he makes, that he has an awareness of his unique soul, that he values and cherishes that a place and thinks with deep, abiding, transcendent self-love. But we cannot leave that legacy to see that vision come to life. I'm motivated by self-hatred when my actions and behaviors and thoughts are dictated from loathing and pain, fear. path that we can choose to blaze a piece that makes me incredibly uncomfortable is not knowing what that path looks like how to even begin down it to blaze it and through the darkest forest. It makes me uncomfortable that I don't have those answers, that I don't know what that looks like. It makes me feel vulnerable and unworthy, an imposter. much I do know in order to have that choice I must choose first to stay As I turned back in the woods, made the decision to come home. I knew that the next step I needed to take for my own healing was to sit here in this space with you. Share this
1: experience
0: so that I would not feel alone, and that perhaps, too, you would not feel alone either. In the show notes, I'm going to share few of my favorite resources for support, for encouragement, and for connection. Life is so much, and those stories are so strong. Struggling, we are not failures for needing support. I want to encourage you to reach out send me a message over on Instagram at Heroic Mama Revolution if you're in a space where you could use someone to talk to and please if you know someone who maybe could use a little encouragement and a little hope to share this podcast with them. You are one decision away from a completely different life. Be the hero that you need and your life.